Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. It's Friday the 24th of May. Coming up, reaction to Theresa May's resignation. Obviously it was inevitable, but overdue. Really difficult job. She was never, ever going to win with this. She probably did her best, really. I think she's probably better than what we've got coming. Gillingham chairman refunds fans who've criticised him. They've all taken my money, but so far no one's cashed the cheques. And Roman Town found at site of new housing development. The industrial court here, the residential court here, the temples, you know, tell us that in fact this could be that long lost Roman town. Kent Online News. Theresa May's fought back tears after confirming she's stepping down as Conservative leader on Friday the 7th of June. In a speech outside Downing Street, she said it's been the honour of her life. The second female Prime Minister, but certainly not the last. I do so with no ill will, but with enormous and enduring gratitude to have had the opportunity to serve the country I love. The Prime Minister also talked about her deep regret she's not been able to deliver Brexit. That failure prompted her own MPs to call for her to quit. She'll stay on as Prime Minister while her party chooses her replacement, with a leadership contest taking place next month. Ish has been finding out what people in Rochester think of it all. Well, she said she's going to do it, so I guess she's actually um, put a time to it. So, yeah, at least we know where we are, I suppose. What have you made of how she's done as Prime Minister? Um, it's been a hard job with Brexit. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the Conservatives, so I think she's done as well as she could. Well, well there's been um, you know, several names touted, Boris Johnson, Michael Gove, uh, Esther McVeigh, it's the likes of becoming potentially the next uh, Conservative leader. Any of those names interest you at all? Um, I'd have to think about it, but uh, I would say not Michael Gove. It seems a shame... Um... She probably did her best, really, but in the end, I don't think it was much option, you know. Just, just have to wait and see who we have and hope things work out better. I'm not sure about any of them, really, particularly Boris Johnson, but you never know. I have to keep an open mind at the moment, but just the main thing to do is, you know, get it through, I think. That's the main thing, get the Brexit done. Do you think this is the right step in order to do that? At the moment, yeah. I don't think I had any option, really. I suppose it's inevitable, isn't it? But then she was handed a pretty bad lot, wasn't she? It's Cameron that needs to. How, how do you think she's done in the past few years? Well, not much, because it's all been Brexit, hasn't it? What else has she done? Nothing. She couldn't do. Do you think this is the right step in order to deliver Brexit? Deliver it? We don't really want it delivered, do we? Sorry, well, I don't. Uh, and, and what do you make of potential candidates? Boris Johnson, Michael Gove, Esther McVeigh? Oh, God, I couldn't think of anything. Imagine Boris Johnson <laughs> and what's his... Oh, no. Just absolute shambles. I don't think one of them is worth spit. And if she resigns, who's going to take her place? What? It's dreadful, all of it. I mean, which strong-minded leader do you see out of that group? There isn't any. It's a shambles, all of it. Absolute nonsense. Incompetent uh, negotiator. About time somebody else have a go. Do you think this was inevitable, as you said, the right step in order for the parties to move forward? And it's ob- Obviously it was inevitable, um, but overdue. I feel like she's been thrown under the bus, really, and hasn't been given much of an option. Uh, she's not my favourite person, but I do think that she's been treated really unfairly, and I think she's probably better than what we've got coming. How, how do you think she's done over the past few years? 
I think she's done an impossible job that nobody would have been able to do. I don't think you can keep 49% or 51% of the country happy. And I think whoever stood and got her job at the time knew that it was going to be impossible, which is why they all backed out of it and she got stuck with it. And you mentioned she's probably better than the potential options going forward, those names being the likes of Boris Johnson, yeah. Michael Gove, none of them take your fancy? They scare the living daylights out of me, to be honest with you. I think that um, if Boris Johnson got in, it would be very dangerous and it does scare me what would happen to the country. Really difficult job. She was never, ever going to win with this, but she was stubborn and dug in and I think she stayed too long so she's got to go. We need someone new. What do you make of the potential candidates? Possibly Michael Gove, possibly. I don't think Boris Johnson. I do like him as a character but I think we need somebody who is a bit more balanced and I don't think he is. We need someone to bring everybody together. The whole thing of the Brexit, because of the information given from the first time, I don't think people knew what they were voting for. Uh, to be honest, stepping down or staying in there, that's not the issue here. The issue is to get people to sort out where the Brexit is going. And uh, I believe that we, we, we had enough of this now. Uh, something has to be done. In order to, to move forward with Brexit, do you think this was an inevitable decision by Theresa May? I don't think it's, it's all down to one person. Yeah, it's the whole... Uh, governments uh, to put themselves uh, together. And putting somebody new at this stage is not going to solve the Brexit, right? It's not going to solve it because they're still going to be facing the same uh, kind of problems at the moment. Um, I think, um, personally, it should be another vote about Brexit because now uh, the uh, people are more informed and more aware of the situation. Possibly it could be a different uh, outcome. And just lastly, who do you think could or should step out, uh, step in now with the likes of Boris Johnson, Michael Gove, Esther McVeigh, they've all... I would definitely go for Boris Johnson. Why, why Boris? Because he, he knows his stuff, yeah. And I think he acts as a leader as well. And, um, but also he speaks his mind, and sometimes that counts. Dartford MP Gareth Johnson's also been giving our political editor Paul Francis his reaction. She tried her best, but if you say over 100 times that um, we're leaving on the 29th of March with or without a deal and that doesn't happen and inevitably there's a consequence that comes with that and we saw the consequence today. Uh, and have you uh, come around to any position on who you might like to succeed her at all? Yeah, I'll, I'll be supporting Dominic Raab. <clears throat> and well, what qualities do you think he has that uh, equip him? He has the ability to unite both leavers and remainers. He has the intelligence um, to do the job. Uh, it's a difficult time for us at the moment, and we need somebody with those abilities. I think. Uh, you backed um, Boris Johnson last time around. Do you, is it any particular reason why you wouldn't be backing him again? No, no, no. Boris is a, a fun man. Um, you know, I, I like him, um, but I, you know, I, I feel that right now, the best person to lead us is Dominic Raab. I was his parliamentary private secretary when he was Secretary of State at Dexu. And I saw very closely there how um, capable a man he is, and uh, that's why I'm supporting him. Uh, has he declared his hand yet or not, or are you expecting him to? Um, I, he hasn't declared his hand yet, no. no. He, he's understandably said that he's not appropriate at this time to 
you know, to make any announcement one way or the other. You can let us know who you think should take over as Conservative leader by voting in our poll in the story online. Kent Online reports. Elsewhere today, a man's been jailed for 32 years for murdering his mother-in-law after starting a fire at a house in West Malling. 65-year-old Jackie Allen died when the blaze broke out in November last year, while another person jumped to safety. Simon Childs, who's 52 and from Hurricane Road in Kings Hill, has already served 185 days of the sentence while on remand. Kent County Council's been accused of letting down the younger generation after pushing back a target to be carbon neutral by 20 years. The authority had previously planned to have zero emissions by 2030, but they've now agreed to make it 2050, despite declaring a climate change emergency. It comes as pupils walk out of schools in Kent as part of another protest over climate change. Dozens have been staging demos in Canterbury, Deal, Faversham and Maidstone. They're aiming to put pressure on politicians to do more to protect the environment. Lucy Valls-Reed is a year nine pupil at Victor Grammar School and has been protesting in Maidstone. Nothing is really being done and it's getting worse and something needs to happen and if no one tries, then nothing's going to happen. A Sheerness woman's appeared in court accused of biting her ex-boyfriend's nose during an argument over chicken nuggets. A court heard Kira Down also scratched her sister's face when the row broke out at a child's birthday party in March. The 19-year-old from Maple Street denies the charges and is due to go on trial in July. Plans to charge people from outside of Medway to use tips there have been scrapped. Next month, Kent County Council is going to make us pay to get rid of things like soil, rubble and plasterboard. And bosses in the towns were going to ask for ID and proof of address to make sure people weren't going there instead to dump their rubbish. They've now decided to drop the idea after KCC announced they're opening another household waste recycling centre in Allington near Maidstone. Kent Online Sport. Football and the new Gillingham manager has held his first press conference. Earlier in the week it was revealed Steve Evans will be taking over a pre Eastfield following the sacking of Steve Lovell just before the end of last season. The former Leeds United boss has been telling us about his plans for the club. It's a big challenge. I, th- I think a number of clubs, you say, from, from 13 down, we're, we're all fighting relegation until probably two weeks before the end of the season. Um, my job is to, is to make sure we're maybe fighting for the playoffs with two weeks to go in the season. Um, it's, a, it's a difficult ask because the resources won't change, it but the same. Chairman's made that clear. But we believe it's uh, we can perhaps get some better value for money when we're, when we're recruiting our players added to the better ones that, that we've kept. And, and I thank Mark Parson for, uh, for taking care of the retained list and we'll respect his judgment. So on that, on that, you know, that ambition to finish in the playoffs, do you think that is possible? I think it's possible. Um, I think it's going to be extremely tough. But I think if you're Doncaster Rovers, who are probably very unfortunate not to go to Wembley and after a, a magnificent game with, with Charlton Athletic, I, I think just ask them how tough it is or, or maybe ask the guys at Portsmouth. I think it's a real tough. The competition is, is going to be fierce. It's going to be, in my opinion, tougher than it was in the season be, before. And I, I had super investment at Peterborough. We are chairman who puts millions of pounds a year in. And, you know, good people up there, good good football club that give you every chance. And, and I think the, the chairman here is thinking that, well, we'll have learnt even what we've learnt there to, to bring it here to make the difference. Well, how hard is that? How hard is that to work 
within your means as a manager, knowing that there's a limited budget there, and, and you've got a, that. That's the challenge, isn't it? How hard is that as a manager? Well, I don't control the budget, of course. That's controlled by our chairman, our CEO. Um, but obviously I have an input when it comes to signing the players. I don't have an input as to the levels of salaries, etc. But it's going to be tough. You know, we don't we don't hide from that. The interesting thing is I never met the chairman here, Paul Scally, and he didn't tell me other story other than the straight one, which is what I've demanded. And I'm very fortunate I had a week or two where I could consider three or four options to, to take the manager's role. And um, after a lot of careful thinking, because there was a lot of factors involved in it, where is, where is the real potential? Where can the real win be? Um, I'm not a young manager, a very experienced manager. And where could the big win be? Despite the adversity, the big win can be here because this, this stadium can be rocking every week. I've been here when it's rocking and it's, it's tremendous to be involved in. We'll come to that, the Reign of Mendel point in that bit in a moment. Did, you mentioned there about maybe other offers on the table. Were there other offers at other clubs and what made you then join Gillingham over those? Yeah, there was offers. You know, I think I've... I've been very fortunate. I went up back up to Scotland because my uh, mum's not very well. But I went back up there over the weekend on on the basis of considering uh, three or four opportunities to return, and I had to make some, you know, I had to make some real difficult calls on on Sunday evening, you know, to to say to two or three chairmen that no, I was going to go somewhere else, and they're difficult calls because people are are trying to attract you in, and you have a real interest in joining them. Uh, but but for all the right reasons, I believe I've I've chosen here, and you know the, 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 if I wanted an easy life, I, I wouldn't have picked Gillingham. You mentioned an easy life as well. Do you think that obviously last season finishing thirteenth? Do you think Steve Lovell underachieved as a manager? Yeah. Listen, I think, no, I don't. But I, uh, equally, I think if you if you're involved for fighting relegation with a couple of weeks to go, it's pretty tough if you're in the arena end. More important, it's pretty tough if you're sitting on a board. Um, but I think when the tables level out, you 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 could say it was harsh. You know, I'm, I think football's a harsh world. I was six in League One in the playoffs and and lost my job because our home form, like the Jills have experienced, our home form wasn't good enough. When you're in the bubble, you don't see it as much as what you do. I come away from Peterborough two or three weeks after that when you see the chairman's reflected words that he wasn't happy with the home form and that affects our home attendances. Danny McAntony was 100% right. So so we there's lots of learning in our side as well. Um, but what we've been presented with is we've given ourselves an opportunity to come into a football club starting on the 1st of June and work really hard. And uh, like we've had to do everywhere. We've had to, we've had to get supporters on our side everywhere we've been. We never walked in to, to welcome in arms and be next players that get big receptions. We've had to walk in with people saying, let's see what they can produce. I think when it comes to the football side of the business, I don't think there's any supporters or, or chairman who've ever been disappointed. Meantime, the Gillingham chairman says he's personally offered a refund to unhappy season ticket holders. Paul Scally claims to have written £10,000 worth of cheques from his own bank account after people asked for their money back on social media. I think um, social media uh, is creating havoc for many people, many walks of life, many industries. Uh, I think it's a scourge on society to an extent, whilst it's very powerful. I think social media is now all around the world. You know, look at all the issues in the world, social media seems to be popping up. And I think social media needs to be either monitored or, or addressed because I think it is causing unrest amongst huge groups of people in the world on different issues. And uh, not least of all in football. I mean, we see it all the time. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great shame because you know we, I came here to do a job. I came here to help this club to because I love football. Uh, I believe I can take this club further forward, and we will. 
Um, but I'm certainly not going to take it forward if I feel that people don't trust me to do my job properly. Or if they're going to come to games and abuse me or other people around the stadium. Because it's just, just, that's just not acceptable. I believe you've been meeting some of the fans face to face and you get a different kind of response then, do you? Well, what's interesting is that um, this week, most evenings and some afternoons, I've been out delivering back uh, money to people from my personal account. Of people who said that if I appoint Evans, for instance, uh, uh, they, will, they want their season ticket money back. And I've probably wrote out a total of around about £10,000 of refunds so far from my personal account. It won't affect the income for the club. And I've been to these people's houses or where they, you know, their places of work in two instances. And um, every single person has said that they didn't actually mean what they said. They didn't want to cancel their season tickets and they would be coming to the club next season. And I've made the point, well, why did you put the quotes you put on social media? And this is the thing. And I think this, this illustrates in a, in a small way here at the club why social media is so dangerous, because I think people do put uh, postings on uh, anonymous or otherwise on, on social media that perhaps they don't really mean. Mm. Um, and it's been an interesting exercise because I've actually met some really nice people. Uh, somewhat unexpected for the people whose doors I've been knocking on. <laughs> a few people have taken your money though, have they? They've all taken my money, oh. but so far no one's cashed the cheques. Oh, OK. <laughs> so you're waiting with interest to see your well, balance sheet, where, how many come out? To an extent. Um, but I think it's also important because I've been able to understand on, and get to talk to some of these people. Yep. Um, and I've invited them to come along to the forum to meet the manager. Uh, on the 3rd of um, June. Um, but I think, I think, firstly, when they've got over the shock of me knocking on their door, I think they've opened up and it's been we've had, I've had some interesting discussion this week. Mm. And uh, it doesn't change my view as to where I am, but it does change, it doesn't, and it doesn't surprise me because I don't believe half these people that have said what they've said on social media mean it. Um, but I've had it confirmed, I guess, by my impromptu visits, which will continue because I've still got probably another 20 or more calls to make. And finally today, a major Iron Age and Roman settlement has been found at the site of a housing development near Sittingbourne. Archaeologists say the discovery in Newington is one of the most significant in the county. Houses will eventually cover the 18 acres of farmlands just off the A2, but excavations have been taking place before all the building work got underway. Dr Paul Wilkinson is Director of SWAT Archaeology. Persimmon Homes are building um, a big large estate here and part of the enabling process of that is to actually remove and uh, uh, record all the archaeology which is um, you know can be impacted on by the development. And when you've been here doing the archaeology as you know, imagine you do for lots of when new homes um, come up tell me a little bit about what you found because you've, ex you've found a bit more than you were expecting. Um, yes we found a lot more than we expected and um, we're, we're um, close, I say close to Watling Street, Roman Road, so we expected some archaeology, um, but we didn't expect all this archaeology. And all this archaeology we've got here is in fact a small Roman town and it has a sacred area, a Roman Celtic temple, it's got a Roman road coming off Watling Street, uh, we've got an industrial quarter with kilns and furnaces, um, we've got living quarters, um, we've got pavements, we've got burials, we've got the whole hubris of an early Roman town in Roman Britain. And in the historical context, how significant then is this Roman town? Uh, this is a, this is very very significant indeed because it's the, fir it's the first one to be found in Kent, a small Roman town, in many many years. 
totally unknown about, although it may be on one of the Roman road maps and a place called Gerolibium, where we always thought it was close to the Faversham. But the industrial court here, the residential court here, the temples, you know, tell us that in fact this could be that long lost Roman town. And what are the, some of the key features of this long-lost Roman town? You've mentioned a few of the things that we've got here. What's kind of the standout thing? Uh, the standout things really is the industrial quarter. Uh, very early indeed, they're looking at about AD 50, AD 60, that's only 20 years after the Roman invasion. Um, they're set up, they've got pottery kilns actually making thousands, if not tens of thousands, actually pottery items for export. Um, they're processing local produce here. We've got kilns, um, we've got furnaces to make ironware. And we have a sacred zone with the Marlon Celtic Temple, which we think is on top of a prehistoric temple. And of course, in kind of the, the way of the world of development, whilst the development is given with one hand, we've given you access to, to see all this, it's taken it away again, we're having to um, you know, use this whole land to build homes. So kind of, kind of sad in that, that kind of way as well. Um, it's, it is sad, but you know, certainly now in the, this day and age, it's recorded and, uh, and, and photographed and drawn up, and so it does survive in the written record as such. And Seven Homes have been extremely upfront with this. Um, they're, they're funding the extra archaeology which is needed, uh, being extremely proactive, which is you know, really good uh, that we can actually record it to the you know, level it should be recorded. So whilst it will be kind of lost under concrete, it won't be lost if anything it's been rediscovered and then rediscovered, recorded and it'll be published, we'll have plans, we'll have photographs and we'll know everything we need to know about this Roman town before it disappears under suburban gardens. That's it for now but don't forget you can go to kentonline.co.uk for more news throughout the day. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.